This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, where relationships expert Judy K. Herman and her guests share insights that can help you move through conflicts in your 9-to-5 jobs and your 24-7 lives. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. A lot of what we discuss on this podcast is also relevant to workplace relationships and your professional life. You can create a more cohesive organization where people feel heard and respected. As a speaker and executive coach, I support organizations and leaders. You can find me on LinkedIn, Judy K. Herman, or my website, judyspeaker.com. Our topic today is Conscious Loving Ever After at Midlife and Beyond with Gay and Katie Hendricks, who for 40 years have been pioneers in the fields of body intelligence and relationship transformation. Together and singly, they have authored more than 40 books, including such bestsellers as Conscious Loving, The Big Leap, Conscious Loving Ever After, How to Create Thriving Relationships in Midlife and Beyond, and The Genius Zone. They have appeared on more than 500 television and radio programs, including Oprah and 48 Hours. Here's today's show. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life. My name is Judy K. Herman. I have some special guests today that are going to be talking with us about conscious loving ever after. And we have Gay and Katie Hendricks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Mm, Thank you. Well, thank you. Our book, Conscious Loving, first came out in 1990. And then we wrote Conscious Loving Ever After, which focuses on couples at midlife and beyond, say 40 and up. And we uh, worked with couples in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and uh, a couple of them on up into their 80s. And we have discovered a lot of things about what it takes to have good relationships at midlife and beyond, as well as what we were uh, first writing about in Conscious Loving. That's important to know because in it, there's a lot of people in the 40s through 60s or, up, you know, later on that are, you know, their, their marriages are breaking up, um, their kids are off and, you know, they're in the empty nest stage of life. So, wow, what a very timely book that you've written. It really is. And also people, there's so much mythology, not only about relationship, but about long-term relationship. And one of the things that people are taught is that, well, you better enjoy it now because when you've been together for a long time, it's just the same old thing over and over again. And you get bored and Uh, you stop learning together. And what we found is that long-term relationship can really keep being, um, gosh, the magic of discovering. And it depends a whole lot on each person's commitment to creativity. That's one of the main things that we found out when we were looking at what does it take to really thrive in a long-term relationship? 
We discovered early on that there are three really big things that when people do them, their relationships thrive. And when they don't do them, their relationships dive. And uh, uh, one of those is you can tell the health of a relationship by how much honesty there is in it. Mm. Are people Mm. speaking the truth? Are there any secrets withheld? That tells you uh, whether the relationship has vital fluid moving through it. Is there Mm. good communication? The second thing you can really tell the quality of a relationship, a thriving relationship, is both people, when stressful issues come up, both people take responsibility for it and Mm. look into it rather than engaging in blame and criticism, blame and criticism. Chronic criticism is one of the main things that breaks relationships up. The Mm. third thing that people really need to pay attention to is, am I operating in my genius zone? Am Mm. I feeling creative? Does my creativity feel juicier every Mm -hmm. day that I'm with this person? one of the things that you really need to have going for you, especially after midlife, is a better and better relationship with your creativity every day. Because without creativity from like 45 on up, life without creativity gets very dry and hard. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Gay, because honestly, I just recently read your book, Genius Zone, and I so appreciate your honesty and and how, you know, to be authentic and that makes so much sense. But you've got it boiled down to three things, which I think is is beautiful. It's it's the it, it it's the honesty and then both taking responsibility rather than putting blame on the other. And then the z- genius zone. I, and I love your, your uh, definition, either thrive or dive. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so here's what I want to do before getting too far into actually the help, because I love it how you two show up so authentically in your writing and in your teaching. And that's something that I'm so drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, you know, um, I wrote my book beyond messy relationships and I didn't know of, of, of a whole lot of other therapists that were writing about their intense and dramatic stories, but that's what I, I love about the two of you. So share with us your beginnings and wow. yeah, just a little, you know, little, um, get, get us grounded into to how you began as a couple. And, and I'm so curious about what it took to get you to, to where you are as well. Well, the big thing that it took is commitment, which I'll tell you about in just a second, because when we met each other, we literally had an across a crowded room recognition of each other and had a an instant falling in love, but also falling into appreciation and great respect and interest in each other. So I, when Gay opened his mouth, I first thing I thought was, this guy is so funny. And shortly followed by, he's the smartest person I think I've ever met. (laughs) And so I was so attracted to your consciousness. And uh, that was really what we based our relationship on was immediately uh, when I went up, I went up to ask Gay a question at a break. He had come to give a workshop um, at my graduate school. And I came up to ask him a question and I didn't even get the question out of my mouth because he delivered those three things he was just telling you about. I'd love to get together with you. So I I take it over. I said, uh, 
I'm very attracted to you. That's the first thing he said. Yeah, I, I'd seen her, <laughs> you know, and she just caught my attention and there was something about her. You know, I don't claim to see auras or anything, but there it seemed to be this special aura around her, like she was pure love. That was Ooh. my impression. Oh my <laughs> goodness. What yeah. A, yeah. And, and so I I said, I just said, I, I'm very attracted to you. <laughs> the, the question, I still to this day don't know what question I was going to ask him because that was the first thing he said and my question went out of my mind. <laughs> and then I said, I'd love to ask you out for a cup of coffee, but I want to let you know that I've just figured out how I mess up all my relationships and how I want to operate in relationships. I only want to be in relationships where both people tell the truth all the time and are willing to listen to the truth mm -hmm. in the other person, mm. where both people take responsibility for stuff rather than blaming and claiming the victim position and that kind of thing. And three, I really want to be with a woman who's so passionate about her creativity that she's just as passionate about her creativity as I am about mine. And on those terms, would you like to have coffee with me? <laughs> so, oh my goodness. So, so let me just yeah. hold this because I have a whole lot of question marks <laughs> in my mind. So you knew and you were learning and growing from your past relationships. I mean, I read part of that in the book too, Gay. So, so I'm curious, how old were you two at this stage? I was 34 and in, I was 31. Mm -hmm. Okay. So both of you were, had learned and grown or, or developed your own level of consciousness to this level, to be attracted to each other at this level. Right. Yeah. I, I think also because I, I had just figured out what I really wanted in a relationship. That had just happened the month before I met Katie. And so I think I had this, I'd never really been clear in my life about what I wanted in relationships. And wow. so finally I figured it out. I, you know, I had any number of difficult relationships in my teens and twenties and on up into my thirties. And I just not ever made a commitment. You know? mm. and now I see that unless you're committed, you don't have a prayer of a chance mm in a relationship, you know, if you've got mm. one foot out the back door or uh, you're attracted to other people or something like that, it only really works if you're willing to make a whole body heartfelt mm -hmm. commitment to really being fully seen and revealed yourself and having your partner fully reveal himself or herself. Wow. That, so you were really clear. You got to a point where you had previous relationships you learned, you knew what you didn't want, and then you figured out what you did want <laughs> and you got real clear. And then that's when you two met. Yeah, yep, that's when that's when we <laughs> met. So here's Gay saying, you know, on those terms, would you like to have coffee? And so wanted to let you know what I heard. I heard, hey, I don't care what you're doing. I want you to drop everything and move from California to Colorado to start this adventure with me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I want to go all the way in relationship. And so I want to know if you want to do that as well. So that's now, well, let heard. me hold this. Let me hold this, Katie, because is this after your first nope. coffee or nope. before your first coffee? <laughs> yeah, this was in this same conversation where he says on those terms, would you like to have coffee? And so oh, goodness. <laughs> I wanted to let you know, it took me about 15 seconds to take all of that in. Oh my goodness. And, oh my goodness. How <laughs> and so what I said was, how about lunch? Yeah, that sounds like it should be a lunch date if that's all, if you need to talk that much. <laughs> right, right. So I, um, I really, 
we really had a an opening of mm. possibility that mm. I had never experienced before because all my life I had been truthful I had been so interested in how life really works and how consciousness works and and how people can get along and what happens when they don't and I'd been in my own creative flow I was mm. a I'm a um I was not only getting my PhD, but I'm a dance therapist, a red, um, movement therapist. And I'd been teaching that at the school that um, Gay came to give this seminar. So I'd never met anybody, though, who was interested in the same things wow. that I was. And still, when we decided to make this big leap, I came out to Colorado and basically left everything, my my work and the people I'd known and, and moved out to Colorado where I knew gay. And, and uh, so uh, when we, when we started really looking at what is it going to take, we looked around. One of the other things I want people to know is that we got together in 1980 Mm. and we knew one couple who had a really great relationship and then they broke up. And so we basically, we looked around, we couldn't see any role models. So we decided we were just going to make it up. We Mm. were going to look at what is, you know, like best practices. We're going to try them out. So everything that we've written about in conscious loving and conscious loving ever after are practices that we took on in and still practice in our daily lives. That is amazing. I'm I'm hearing, and I, I don't, I might ask a nosy question, Katie, and oh, if go I do, ahead. but <laughs> so, so did you have to go through several relationships before to let to, for you to have clarity and know what you didn't want before you actually met gay? Oh, yes. In fact, my, my mother used to say, I went through men like a lawnmower. So <laughs> I, I would be in, I went, when I could see that it wasn't working, I didn't do what a lot of people do as well. I should just get used to it. And you know, that old saying of you made your bed now lie on it, I would go, Nope, this isn't working. So I'm going to move on. And uh, wow. And and it sounds to me like both of you had this um, attitude of learning and growing individually yourself, I mean, to increase this awareness. And I there's so much that I resonate with you, I must tell you, because I know y'all are probably not um, familiar with my book beyond messy relationships. Okay, so I use the analogy Katie of dance and describing relationships. And I know other others do. Uh, Sue Johnson is one, but it is like, um, and I use that analogy throughout how to identify those relationship dances. And then also something that resonates with me with what you're saying, you all took, you both took big leaps of faith here. And, and I do talk about, and, and even made an acronym out of this very natural thing that we do of breathing fresh air and how that, um, how that, calms the nervous system and the body, but the A is like an acronym for awareness, increasing Mm -hmm. awareness. And the I is intentionality and the R is the risk of growth. So Mm -hmm. I'm hearing those themes, those very themes in your story. And I absolutely love it. It's wonderful that you're talking also about the dance of relationship. We actually uh, have a article we call the relationship dance that the basic rhythm of relationship is getting close and then getting individuated we Mm. have the urge to merge and the urge to fulfill our own 
creative individuation. And that's part of what really gives the, the fuel for relationship is being committed to your own individual creativity and then bringing the juice from that into your relationship and honoring our needs for space and time alone mm. and integration and also our needs for being close. And I think that comes also in how people let their partners know what kind of attention they want and are willing to receive, giving and receiving attention freely. And those two things really work mm. together to create variety and deepening, but also refreshment in your long-term relationship. Wow. I've got, I've got a huge, another huge question mark in my mind. <laughs> do you two dance? I mean, you really do dance. Yes. Like physical dance. What's your favorite oh, yeah. dance? Oh, well, we dance mostly in rock and roll type dancing. Mm -hmm. Okay. We both okay. love ska bouncing and we both love just freeform, freeform rock and roll dancing. I don't do any dance steps. Like I'd be lost in a ballroom dancing competition. <laughs> uh, my stomach Titans just thinking of it. Uh, <laughs> we once took a couple of, of um, salsa dancing uh, lessons, and you can see Gay putting his hands over his face. So we... I, I was just so bad. I, I went after 20 minutes of salsa lesson, I went over to Katie and I said, I love you passionately. And I'd do anything for me, but as this one favor, would you let me off the hook about salsa lessons? Oh, that's so funny. And yeah, but we really find that the, the free expression of your own uniqueness is such a great fuel source for relationship. In fact, one of the things that I love about you Gay dances in with his words and his mind. And mm. so he, he makes up puns and jokes and spontaneous songs. <laughs> and so that is also a form of dancing. You know, the, oh, yes. you know, the dancing of the rhythm of words and the beauty of your voice. And so the, that's one of the ways that we create with each other all the time is by letting our bodies fully participate. So we're not just trying to relate to each other from by talking about what's going on since you're oh. from the south i'll make up a country song about what's oh, going do. on right now <laughs> i'm spending friday casting pod <laughs> thinking about god ain't that on okay there's a good verse we start with oh i just love it the energy that you have and i know this podcast will either be listened to or watched but i really encourage people to get on the youtube channel and watch it because the energy is is so beautiful and magnetic i love it it does represents this flow and this rhythm of life which i so resonate with and i know that so i okay so you have you've learned you've grown you've been together since you were 31 and 35 i think mm -hmm. is what you said so and and married several years tell tell us about you know like what we're seeing is is the the other end of this work, right? What is, what have been some of the the maybe difficult things you've gone through in your marriage, or huge maybe transitions? Oh, oh gosh, we've been through a lot. But um, one was just the transition. See, Katie and I, from the very beginning, we wanted to work together, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we wanted to have totally integrated lives. So. 
there was nothing, you know, there was no downtime in a way because we mm -hmm. are both fascinated with the same subject and that's all we're fascinated with, yeah. you know, I don't. So that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> People so, say, what do you do in your spare time? And we go, well, uh, spare time. Well, well we, this, this is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that's a tremendous factor all in its own learning to work together mm -hmm. you know that's like the olympics of a relationship in my view if you're able to go up on stage on oprah as we have on a number of occasions and and just be your regular self you know and and have it not freak you out mm -hmm. and and have it just be part of your relationship so katie and i started out you know we would work with six couples in our living room or we'd work with some people at a relationship conference, but suddenly, you know, once Oprah got hold of us and we're we're talking in front of 10 million people, boy, that's a whole different thing in a relationship, you know, to suddenly kind of catch a gust of wealth and fame and that kind of thing. And that in itself puts stresses on a relationship. Mm -hmm. Shines that, a bright light. Yeah, it really shines a bright light. <laughs> and so for us, it meant that we made a commitment to being absolutely authentic, whether we mm. were standing mm -hmm. uh, on the stage on Oprah or sitting next to somebody yep. at a bus stop, you know, that oh, it wow. didn't matter, that the commitment mm -hmm. to authenticity was what the important thing was. And the way that translated is no secret. So we would say in mm. workshops, you can ask us anything about anything and we're, you know, we're, we'll do our best to respond to that. One kind of, um, rough thing that I bet other folks might be able to relate to is when, when couples are working together, that there's a, whatever issues you grew up with tend to show up then in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, so one of the things that showed up for us was a kind of competitiveness. I remember when we first started doing workshops together, we'd be standing next to each other and Gay would start to gesture and, and he would his gesturing would come over into my space <laughs> and uh, so I was adjusting and then you know he would start to speak and get you know and start going on and I'd be standing there saying hey what I know I hey I have something to say also and uh so I remember saying to him hey could you could you just give me a little space because you know I have something to say too and he said no if you have something to say, show up, just go ahead and show up and say it. And that was, uh, I felt really so honored. At first, I was very startled and kind of shocked. But when I really tuned into it, I thought, oh, he's honoring my own power wow. to, to show up fully and not have to make any compromises. Mm, and so mm. I started just getting a little more courage to speak up and say what was really occurring to me. And in the process of that, <clears throat> I, I caught what the pattern was because gay is just about as older than me than my older brother. And my ah. older brother was always called, literally called number one. And I was called mm. number two. Mm. And I developed what I called an Avis persona, which is I'm number two. I try harder. And so I'd be showing up, you know, doing the work and being a helper. And, and so when I got clear on that, I thought, oh, I can create a completely different relationship that's not based on seeing gay as my brother, 
but seeing gay as my ally and my partner. And that was just this huge shift where we began to be able to co-create much more in a dance rather than tripping over each other. Another big big shift was an important one for me because I came into the relationship very heady and Mm, mm -hmm. not in touch with my feelings as much and as as much as I am now for sure. Um, but, uh, and then Katie is very feelingful and, um, I love that word. I love that word. Feelingful. That's a good one. That's a good one. The, um, the thing was that we spent energy in our early days trying to make the other one be more like us, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I would try to make her be more logical. You know? <laughs> Could you make some sense, please? <laughs> Could you actually start a sentence with a noun and then put a verb there and then come to some conclusion? Oh, that's oh. Yeah. so. Uh, so were you talking to a poet here? So I would start off over <laughs> in one place and then I'd wander around and I'd get an image and I'd bring that in and then I would eventually end up at the point, but not in any kind of a logical way and. And so instead of trying to change people, this this turned out to be really an important principle in general, because most people think that getting into a close relationship is a license to improve the other. It's your (laughs) own little personal fixer upper. Mm -hmm. And and I certainly saw that in my growing up and my my family and my parents' friends. And so we decided we were going to see each other as an appreciation mm. project rather than an improvement project. And we yes. really made a, mm. a steadfast commitment to that and increased our level of appreciation and made a commitment to end blame and criticism so that our exchanges are really full of what we're noticing, what's going on, but there's really no blame no criticism. So there's just discovery and appreciation and having a great time. (laughs) That is huge what you just said, Katie. And I'm just soaking in everything you both are saying. But uh, yes, appreciation, that actually uses just a totally different part of the brain than trying to fix your spouse. I think it took me, uh, me writing my book in 40 years of marital experiences to realize and being a counselor for several years to realize you cannot do for another human being what only they can do for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is a problem when we try to fix the other. But I, I, I love hearing the two of you and even just watching you because there certainly is this creative energy and then even seeing you. I'm going to verbalize this because some people are just listening to this podcast rather than watching you, but you both are making eye contact with each other and there's movement and, and just laughter. We just, this is wonderful. I, I, I can see how uh, letting go of trying to fix someone or, or, um, Anyway, letting go of things that maybe we'd otherwise hold tight to is really allowing some some beautiful life to happen mm-hmm. in this in-between space with you two. Or- yeah, and that's why creativity is so important too, because you know, like I'm here to honor my own creativity and also to honor mm-hmm. the creativity of Katie. Her mm-hmm. creativity is just as sacred to me as mine is. Mm-hmm. And so 
to be in a relationship where both of us honor our own creative passions. I like I'm a born writer, you know, I write generally for a couple hours a day. Mm. And so if that's not okay with the other person, or if they don't have something equivalent to that, that they're passionate about, that gets to be a problem in a relationship because uh, a great developmental psychologist, Eric Erickson said, after 50 years old, every moment, every breath you take is a choice between creativity and stagnation. Mm. Are you going to be creative or are you going to stagnate and keep going through the motions? I know you're not anywhere near 50 yet, but once you get- Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Got married before I was 12 years old, right? (laughs) Well, I know down South, they have those marriages that usually before you get to about the sixth grade. Usually by junior high, you've got a couple of kids in school yourself. There you go. They grew up in the South, so this is... (laughs) Oh, where in the South did you grow up, Gay? Uh, Leesburg, Florida. Okay. uh, 10,000 people. And to make matters even worse, my mother was the mayor. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't get away with anything. Although in Leesburg, Florida, about the worst thing you could do was steal a watermelon or something like that. You know, it was a high crime area. Oh, my goodness. I want to go back to your conscious loving ever after and then the Mm. special things that those uh, people that have, you know, had a long term pattern of just exiting out of their lives. I mean, just like, how do you how do you help folks like that? And, And what's needed? Well, I think the the first thing that's needed is, are you willing? Are Mm. you, is this the person that you really want to be waking up with that you're wanting to continue to renew your relationship? Everything that we write about in Conscious Loving Ever After is about not only sustaining, but renewing your relationship because the, 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 continuous renewal is possible Mm. rather than just recycling things over and over again and your willingness to discover and learn so discover something new and then integrate it by learning it so that you have more and more choices that's really one thing rather than having the same interactions all the time with each other the same expectations so we have things we have practices in uh, conscious loving ever after that will assist people one to handle the business of the relationship Mm. i think one of the big things that that trips up a lot of relationships is that people mix in their the closeness of their relationship and and their romantic juiciness with the business of your Mm. relationship which is always stuff like the chores and the The chores and and who's doing what. And so we have something we call the two 10 minute conversations that Mm. people can, one of them is a business conversation, the business of your life. And one of them is a little structure for what we call heart talk, how to really connect with each other at that essence level so that you know that your relationship Mm. is based on really connecting at that deepest level And then the purpose of your relationship can be revealing essence, revealing more and more Mm. of who you are. One of the great delights that was unexpected is not only becoming unedited with each other, 
but having uh, the palpable flow of new impulses, new ideas uh, arise for both of us in a way that that feels like a picnic all the time. There's like <laughs> opening the picnic basket and here's some new great stuff in here that's not only juicy and nourishing, but fun. You know, it's not like eat your vegetables all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, when you really let yourself have room for the business of your relationship. And then your connections can be mostly about, ooh, what do we want to share? What do we discover? A poem that we found or mm -hmm. something funny, a cartoon or, uh, you know, something that we learned out in the world. That is a, uh, fills the reservoir, the emotional reservoir for people. Wow. So let me ask you, I don't know if either of you, like some people that may be very skeptical, even listening to you, because it sounds like um, we've been taught that relationships are hard. Exactly. Yeah. And are they, are they really hard? Is it, uh, it is, is it really hard no. to live with another human being? No, it's actually quite easy. Yeah. We make it hard. Oftentimes human beings make it hard by uh, basically lying, avoiding taking responsibility, falling out of touch with their own creativity, and then taking it out on the relationship. Mm. You know, that's a lot of what we deal with here when people come in the door. You know, they've been blaming the other person for something for a long time. And sometimes mm. the other person has created violations, but that what you really gets you through to the creative side in a relationship is when you stand up and take responsibility for what you've created, because that puts you in touch with creativity. The mm -hmm. moment you acknowledge what you've created, even if it's not so fun for you, even if it's created pain, but at least you're allowing yourself to take responsibility for it, that puts you more in touch with your raw creativity, the kind we get free from the universe. Wow. So that that is a radical concept, though, with a lot of us is, you know, I mean, I've had some guests on this program that would say that, you know, the, 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 the opposite is true. Relationships are hard, but you're really going against the grain of that mythology or. Yeah, yeah. And we have and, lots of evidence, too. And I think people uh, what Gay was saying, I think, is so critical that taking responsibility is not taking blame. And it's not then criticizing yourself or blaming yourself. It's really reclaiming your creativity. Mm. It's recognizing here's how I have been using my creativity to create the same complaint or to create a view of my partner as oppressing me or that I'm the victim. I'm going to hold on to that. When you're willing to literally ask, hmm, hmm. What am I doing that's creating what we're experiencing now? And what could I choose to do differently that would create more contact and juiciness and an open space where both of us can be ourselves uh, and share uh, what we most want to create in the world with each other? That changes everything. And most people think of, of uh, taking responsibility as who's right and who's wrong. And that's yeah. one of the big games in relationship, you know, of, of I get to be right, mm. is what people get instead of the, the real juiciness of connection. And so mm -hmm. that was something we took on to take responsibility and then it freed up all of this creative flourishing. 
that that's a, a huge shift. That's a huge, a huge shift, shift in perspective. Uh, and to, yeah, to get away from this. Um, and even, I, I don't know, it's kind of a shift too when you think of a win-win situation. Is a, like thinking of a win-win and conflict resolution, is that is that different? I mean, it seems different to me than what you're mm-hmm. explaining. Uh, because I, I guess maybe a win-win is, okay, somebody's got a win. We want, we, we, we want the relationship. We want it to be win-win. Uh, whereas, okay, somebody's got to be a winner or a loser, but it sounds like, okay, responsibility is not who's to blame, but right. it is, it is claiming your creativity. Right. And when, when each you of do, us- when you go into blame though, you're going into victim mentality and that stifles your creativity. Is that, is that right? Yes. Imagine a fire breaking out in a room. A person takes responsibility by running over to it and shooting the fire extinguisher. Another person's version of responsibility may start screaming, who's to blame for this? Whose fault is this? You know, meanwhile, the fire is getting worse and worse and Mm -hmm. worse. Mm -hmm. And so there's a big difference between taking responsibility and blaming someone. Mm -hmm. We decided um, in our relationship to create a no blame zone we we mm. eliminated blame and criticism from our relationship and wow. we didn't pull it off overnight it no. took us quite a bit of dedicated focus for a long time but for many years now like nobody in here nobody in our house has said a critical word this century oh my goodness yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, i like to say that <laughs> oh my goodness uh, that like that how, how, so how do you keep that from happening? And, and I'm going to ask you this question because there sure is a whole lot of negativity going around, like just listening to the news or yeah, whatever. Uh, how, how do you handle outside influences that are, you know, or just all the stuff that's going on? Um, as news-wise far as, or, or news-wise, well, we, how, do you, how, how do you handle we, all? We, well, first of all, both of us are really clear that the number one priority in our lives is the flow of loving connection between mm. us. Mm. And so, you know, once you get clear on what your priorities are, that's what needs to be focused on. So, you know, it's been many years, but if we ever feel any kind of glitch or block in the flow between us, we just sit down just and rough. figure it out in mm-hmm. 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. because one thing we've really found is that there are no relationship problems that take longer than 10 minutes to fix if both people are willing to fix it. And usually the problem is, is getting that other person to be willing to fix it. <laughs> and yeah. that can take years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm just thinking politically, because I know all of us going through the mm. pandemic and, and, you know, some people wanting the, you know, vaccinations, others not, and how it's dividing families. How do you handle uh, even really like convictions and differences that that may show up. I mean, I'm hearing you all have a whole lot of similarities, but not yes. everybody has that, you know, yes. at core levels. So how how do how do you handle that? Well, one of the things that that we want to help people get in touch with is what they really want, and that often involves going down through their fears. And my experience of these last several years is that people have been, they get caught in fear. And if I'm experiencing fear, what happens in in a person's brain is that your partner looks like your enemy. 
Mm-hmm. So you go into mm-hmm. your reptilian brain, you leave your cognitive problem-solving brain, and you become Godzilla. And then you have, you know, reptilian, you know, f- fighting with each other. And then the other thing is that in fear, you're not actually able to solve problems. Mm-hmm. So because you're mm-hmm. caught, you know, in your own little cave. So in Conscious Loving Ever After, and and on our websites, we have practices to assist people in moving from fear to being to presencing to actually Mm -hmm. being here and from being here we can make new choices and see each other as allies Mm. we might have different ways that we want to approach what's going on but we hold each other as partners and allies rather than as enemies another element in that too is polarities are an important part of relationship. Like, for example, one person is very emotional, one person is very logical. Mm -hmm. That's a very common arrangement in relationships. Another one is one person is very controlling, and the other person puts up with being controlled and dominated. That's a very common thing in relationships. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, relationships only thrive if both people are committed to the relationship Mm. and to their own growth at the same Mm. time. Mm. That's what makes thriving happen. And so if you're stuck in relationship, look into a few basic things like where are we not telling the truth Mm. to each other? Mm. Where are we playing out a victim persecutor drama where one of us thinks of themselves as the victim and identifies the other one as the perpetrator. And then that goes around and around like a dog chasing its tail or Another thing in polarity, when you have conflict with the other person, is to ask yourself, hmm, of all the people in the world, why would I have selected a person like that? And mm. there's usually a good reason for it, you know, yes. something to learn. and something really to learn. Mm. You know, a lot of times I'll have people just see their jaws drop at the most obvious <laughs> thing. When I ask them that, you'll say, and they'll say, oh my daddy was just like that (laughs) you know like (laughs) the the light bulb goes off right right the other thing I wanted to mention because it often is just under the radar is that relationships from throughout our lives are about giving and receiving attention Mm. human beings need attention as much as we do food and water but most of us don't really let ourselves have attention and we don't ask for the kind of attention we want so when we're exploring with people we do various kinds of activities including one we have in conscious loving ever after which is customizing your appreciation Mm. Uh, how do people want to be appreciated what really has the most meaning for them and feels the best and people have really differences in how they like to give and receive attention and so your attention economy giving attention to your attention economy Ah. is really a very important investment that really pays off so that you're not doing what we call fly-by loving you know like heading out the door love you babe or Mm. letting all of the extraneous things going on in life interrupt that flow of attention we made Mm. that a priority that if one of us wanted attention we would do our best to really give that attention in that moment i love a key word that i'm hearing from the two of you and that is being in this flow the Mm. flow of life 
flow of your creativity, the flow of your relationship. I'd imagine that's pretty good brain health there too. Yes, definitely. Um, there's a there's a quotation from the Gospel of Thomas that I put in um, my new book, The Genius Zone. It says, if you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. If mm. you do not bring forth what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. That's why creativity is so important. You know, I worked with a successful dentist once, but he loved to write poetry, but he hadn't mm. written any since he was a kid, he even won mm. poetry contests when he was a kid. But his father was a dentist and he, he became a dentist. Aww. And so, you know, but I had him eventually start writing poems again. And you wouldn't believe the rebirth mm. it gave him. Suddenly he <sighs> fell in love with being a dentist again. Oh, and my goodness. I know that may sound outrageously <laughs> impossible. <but laughs> a poet dentist? A poet dentist, yes. it actually happened. Yeah, that is beautiful. <laughs> actually, talking with the two of you makes me, number one, want to get back into dancing again. And number two, I want to write my next book because, yes, and get back into that flow of writing, too. This yeah. is beautiful. Well, you, you want a dentist who can fill your teeth and your soul. In the same <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Well, what would you say to the couple who's listening right now? And they've, uh, and, you know, it could be somebody that's in pain mm -hmm. um, in their relationship. And what, what would you say to that person or that couple? Well, one thing, we give out a wristband at the mm -hmm. end of our training sometimes, and um, it says on it, breathe, move, love. And what that means is if you're stuck, if you're feeling stuck in your relationship or just in general, first of all, take a few big, easy breaths mm. and just unstick yourself mm -hmm. from the old habitual breathing you've been yes. doing. Just kind of shake that up. Also, move a little bit, change your body position, shift out of, if you've been hunched over your computer, go out and stick your head out the window and breathe for a couple mm. of minutes. Um, and the, the third one, love, is to love as much as you can from wherever you are. That's all that's ever required of us. Just love mm. as much as you can. Love yourself as much as you can and love others as much as you can from wherever you happen to be. That is beautiful. Breathe, move, and love. And, <laughs> and right where you are. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. How can folks get in touch with the two of you? Well, we have uh, two websites, hendricks.com, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com, has our seminars and has lots of great relationship material. And our foundation has a website, foundationforconsciousliving.org, where we have dozens of no-cost videos that will help people to explore in more depth just the kinds of things we've been talking about today. That is beautiful. Thank you, too. You are, are doing a remarkable work on this planet. We need lots of people uh, that can demonstrate and show this beautiful flow of love and this creativity that you are you, you show every day. I think it's it's I could talk with you for another hour. I, I know oh, we don't have that well, much time. <laughs> I absolutely well, love this. Love, well, love thank you, thank you already. So, so much for being in your genius mm -hmm. zone. Well, thank you. You take care. You too. Thanks so bye -bye. much. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I was so energized talking with Gay and Katie. My takeaways are the big 
three questions to ask in your relationship that determine whether you thrive or dive. Number one, how much honesty is there? Number two, do you both take responsibility when stress shows up? And number three, are you operating in your genius zone in your relationship? You can find out more by taking the relationship stress quiz on my website, judycounselor.com. What stood out to you? Share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com. And next week, you'll hear from Michael and Jill Naus in Creative Connection from Corporate to Coaching, Yoga and Married Life. Until then, feel free to share, subscribe, rate, and comment. See you next time for Better Relationships, Better Life.